0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com.
2: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart,
3: racing's regular guy. Good evening, everyone. A beautiful evening here in the Midwest. Glad you tuned in. We're going to recap some uh, fantastic racing. Happened over last weekend, and I'll tell you what, this weekend is just as good, and uh we're going to visit with uh, two people uh, kind of uh, on the West Coast. I know I've been spending a lot of time talking about you know, Saratoga and, and Monmouth Park. We've always have included a uh, race from the West Coast, but I certainly don't want that part of the audience on Winning Ponies uh, felt left out. So today we're going we're to lean to the West a little bit. We're going to start with Mac McBride out at Del Mar. He is the media guru, has been there for years. He's seen it all one of the hardest working guys in racing, and he's going to kind of paint a picture for us uh, of del mar in the last uh, week we heard about saratoga and the feel that that city gives to racing how it embraces it del mar on the west coast so it's going to be a little bit different i'm interested in hearing what mac has to say about that fantastic track and then following that will be jay privman a name that i'm sure is not strange to anybody that uh, has even spent a little bit time in horse racing uh, you've seen him on espn he's a radio show host and uh, if you pick up the daily racing form uh, you've read him many times. He's won several awards for his writing. He's been the president of the National Turf Writers Association. So we're going to uh, pick Jay's uh, brain for some of the races we're going to pick today, both from the East Coast and the West Coast. Well, last week uh, we had uh, a, an interesting pairing up. Our our guest uh, handicapper is the well-known Andy Serling, and as if to parlay his uh, visit on winningponies.com, open up the Washington Post on Sunday, and there's a story by Andy Byer. You remember Harvey... Pack talked about how little Andy used to chase uh, Andy around the track. Uh, I'll just reiterate some of the uh, comments that, that Andy Byer had to say about little Andy. And he says that Serling's at his best when he puts video clips on the screen and analyzes horses' trips, often defying conventional wisdom. I met little Andy in 1975 and remember him as a 13 year old hanging out with adult horse players and lecturing on the nuances of the game. He was always opinionated, frequently arrogant, and prone to launch into intemperate rants on any subject about which he felt strongly. Well, we had a great time listening to him yesterday, and uh, it, Andy Byer closed out uh, the article on Andy Serling, saying that, you know, most casual visitors to Saratoga, they listen to his show, Talking Horses, and, and the hope of getting some good tips for the afternoon. But, but in the process, uh, they're getting an education too. Uh, leaders of the thoroughbred industry regularly fret that the sport can't attract new fans because it's so complex but the Neophytes and Serling's audience see that a person willing to study the game can make sense of it and possibly make money from it. They'll observe, too, that it helps to be a little obsessive to be a successful handicapper. And So we had a great time talking with Andy Serling yesterday, I should say last week, uh, and a great article by Andy Beyer, who was his hero as a kid. Also with us last week on winningponies.com was uh, Patricia Cooksey, Of course, the former leading female rider in North America. And I had the pleasure of uh, spending a uh, good part of Saturday with her here uh, at River Downs Racetrack. Uh, We put together a benefit for Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure. And uh, it was just a fantastic day. The best part was... Just being around PJ and watching uh, so many people that she made connections with when she was a leading rider here, of course. Uh, PJ, a breast cancer survivor herself, uh, got along just great with everybody. But uh, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a ray of sunshine. Spending some time with Patricia Cooksey, uh, both on the air, winningponies.com, and uh, in person is just a, a great way to to spend a day. Well, we uh, we called uh, Andy out last week. On the uh, t v g Alabama, and he did not disappoint uh, royal delta andy 's pick that I believe twelve eighty uh, denied its tricky a sweep of the TVG t v g triple Tierra with a runaway victory in the one hundred and thirty first running of the grade one. Half a million dollar Alabama, just a classic race. Uh, the the Alabama, if you watched it, uh, when you first saw it, it looked a little bit scary in the stretch. I mean, Royal Delta went by the pace setters, uh, Plum Pretty, and it's tricky, very, very fast. And as soon as she did, she veered drastically towards the rail. And... Some people were thinking, uh-oh, we could be looking at uh, at an inquiry here, but that was not to be the case. Uh, when, when you saw it later, you could see that uh, Royal Delta went by him so fast that uh, she was clear when she went down uh, to the rail. Again, uh, she's kind of an interesting horse herself. Uh, she had an interesting career after winning her maiden, uh, she ran kinda of off the track in the Suncoast Stakes at Tampa Bay. Then she came back, she won a allowance race over the Poly Track at Keeneland. Uh, and then Bill Mott, who's very cautious with his horses, kept her out of the Kentucky Oaks, uh, thought she lacked experience, but she pops up at the next biggest stake for three-year-old fillies, the black-eyed Susan, and beats them all. She was actually favored that day. Uh, her race in the Kochi Club American Oaks was a little bit of a head-scratcher, but Mott thought it set her up perfectly, and obviously it did the TVG Alabama going to Royal Delta in impressive fashion. And, and Glorious, uh, I believe, uh, is a synthetic wonder. I mean, and Glorious came into this race with $1.2 million and just never seemed to fire at all when she's on a, Uh, synthetic track though she's unbelievable just beat the boys in the queen's plate so a little bit of a head scratcher there for her connections i'm sure but there's going to be plenty of synthetic tracks to find uh... then we also uh... handicapped uh... race restricted the new york breads but it's a good one uh... the yachty one hundred thousand dollars and as you know this is often a game of inches and it was uh... for rogues jewel uh... rogues jewel didn't have the best of starts and taking advantage of that was Gitchy Gumi. This was an exciting race. Gitchy Gumi is one of those horses for course. you got to watch this all the time at Saratoga. There's some horses that just, they either thrive because of the time of the year or just the conditions of the track up there. But right now, uh, Gitchy Guma, who was put closer to the pace uh in in the Adu by Ellen Garcia uh came home with the win. Uh she's now had four starts at Saratoga, two wins and two seconds and you know you can measure every horse's distance with a yardstick, a mile and a sixteenth. She's now had six starts, three wins and three seconds. Uh we took the highway down south uh, along the Atlantic there. We went to Monmouth Park uh for the Phil Iselin uh, a grade 3 race. And kind of an interesting horse won here, a horse that I wouldn't think would be made the second favorite, uh, but it was, and it was Where's Sterling. Where's Sterling had only won two races in its life, a maiden and an allowance race. But it's all about the company you keep, as they say. And if you look down this horse's lines, most of the horses that she's either been beating or running right with came back and won their next start. And... uh You know, it's all about the company you keep. The layoff trainer, Nick Canini, 36% off the layoff. This horse bred by Cynthia Knight, who's just a marvelous woman uh, from uh, Youngstown, Ohio. I was very good friends with her husband, Landon Knight, uh, who was uh, an outstanding breeder. As a matter of fact, he bred the broodmare sire, Benny the Dip. You may recall, once won the English Derby. And uh, not bad for a guy from Youngstown, Ohio. And then, of course, we went out to, uh, to the West Coast. And, uh, for w- one of the best races of the week, it was the Del Mar Oaks, uh, West Westcourse Soiree. The question was, could Summer Soiree transfer her talent out to the West Coast. Uh, she started her career in, in Delaware. She was trained by Larry Jones. And uh, after a big win in the Bourbonette Oaks at Turfway Park, won by 10 lengths, uh, she changed hands over to a guy by the name of Graham Motion, who won a little race called the Kentucky Derby this year. And uh, so uh, uh, Graham Motion's done a sensational uh, job. Uh, di- didn't Didn't fire in the Kentucky Oaks, but came back at Monmouth, and and won a grade 3 there by 8 lengths a masterful ride uh was 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 put in the race was just stolen by Gil as uh he set the pace was with the pace down the back stretch and they got to about the 3 furlong marker and he just said giddy up and go and all of a sudden they put about 6 7 links on the field and just kept rolling well turned out that it worked out uh flying very very late was uh the, the, the competition but they could not catch summer suaree in the delmar oaks it was just a, a fantastic race a matter of fact the final clocking was the third fastest delmar oaks since the race was switched to turf in 1965 well again uh, we're we're going to uh try to move out uh to to delmar and uh talk to Mac McBride, and then when we come back with Jay Privman, in case you're, you're pulling down PPs and wondering what races uh, we're going to review, of course, obviously, uh, the uh, Midsummer Derby is going to be run this weekend the Grade 1 Travers, so we're going to look at the Grade 1 Travers and what a race that is. I mean, you've got the uh, Preakness and the Belmont winner in there, and the the upstart Coil, and kind of the comeback kid who's a a horse for course himself, Stay Thirsty. Uh, This will be uh, very interesting to see uh, how he comes up, this race comes up. Uh, Then we're going to stay at Saratoga uh, for the return of champion Uncle Mo. Uh, Uncle Mo of course i uh, got that sickness it was kind of had something to do with uh, his system and his ability to eat he lost a lot of weight everybody was scratching his head uh the wood uh, memorial Third place finisher. Everybody thought he'd bounce back into a big derby effort and never got the chance to be there. Uh was treated uh, at, uh, I believe, Windstar Farm, and he's come back. He's working bullets for Todd Pletcher. So the question is, is un- Uncle Mo ready to take on these horses? Because let me tell you, the competition in there has been working bullets. Unbelievable. Uh, moving on from there, we're going to start to focus on Del Mar, and obviously we're going to be a little pressed for time. We can't do all of the races uh, out at Del Mar that uh, are going to be set, but it's just a fantastic weekend of racing at Del Mar uh, with graded stakes galore. Uh, we're going to start out with the Del Mar Mile Handicap. It's a mile on a turf, a very evenly matched field. should be interesting in here. Um, Mr. Commons is a three-year-old that's going to decide to take on older horses. Uh, you may recall that we watched uh, uh, Burns win the big race for three-year-olds uh, two weeks ago when Mr. Commons decided to take out of it. So he's coming back in here. This horse is uh, trained by John Sheriffs and ridden by Mike Smith. I think you may uh Remember them from the uh, Zenyatta days, uh, so always a dangerous com- uh, combo. And then you got Champ Pegasus coming back off a layoff. This horse, in its last eight starts, has been no worse than second. Should be very interesting off the layoff. Uh, from there, we're going to go to the Pat O'Brien, a seven-furlong test that has drawn together a very competitive field, uh, uh, last year, uh, Crown of Thorns ran second in this race, and Crown of Thorns is back in there. But uh, you've also got uh, Smiling Tiger, who was third in the race uh, back in uh, 2010. But the factor in here could be the factor. Bob Baffert, who's been absolutely on fire of late, uh is in here with The Factor, a very lightly raced horse but one that has a lot of respect, won the Grade 2 San Vicente and then uh, came back at Oaklawn and won The Rebel. Uh didn't fire in the Arkansas Derby and has had a layoff since. But it looks like Mr. Baffert has The Factor back on its toes. Uh The Factor uh Recording a series of bullet works, some very quick ones. This is a horse that, in its lifetime, five races, has three 100 plus buyer figures. And then we're going to go to the TVG Pacific Classic Grade One, a million dollars. Uh, this race, uh, interestingly, uh, isn't one that, you know, goes back to the 1940s or anything. It was inaugurated in 1991 uh when best pal took the race who was a local hopeful and uh since then has seen some uh fantastic horses uh, win this race. Uh Tenners Way, Bertrando, uh Skimming came home, uh Candy Ride, who has a, a very popular son in here, and, hair. and uh, talk about popular horses, how about Lava Man, the uh the first uh horse that uh, was a claimer that came back to win uh, in the Pacific Classic, but again, in this race, uh, you've got uh, Trey Barachos, who we watched race in the San Diego Handicap off a long layoff under new ownership, but then we've really got the rematch here between uh, Game on Dude and Twirling Candy. Uh, this is going to be an excellent race, and I can't wait until we can uh, get uh the insights of one Jay Privman to try to help us out uh, with this uh handicapping puzzle. Well, we're going to take a little bit of break here. We're going to come back. Hopefully, we can get a hold of Mac McBride. And if not, I want to hear from you. Remember, here at Winning Ponies, you can call in. The number is 1-888-346-9144. That is 1-888-346-944. Three four six nine one four four. Be happy to take your call.
2: Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian
0: Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and, of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon
2: Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
3: All right, back with Winning Ponies, and we're going to back with the man who knows all who covers all at, at beautiful Del Mar racetrack. Uh, his name is Mac McBride. I can tell you I've got a chance to, to know him over the years uh, through working with him with the, the Turf Publicists of America. He's always somebody that, that has uh, that has fresh thought and great delivery, and he's a guy that's got a lot of responsibility uh, covering uh, Delmar and, and promoting it, although this is one of those tracks is kind of like Keeneland that kind of promotes itself. I mean, you can go back to 1937 when Bing Crosby was there to greet the first fans or uh, move up to the mid-50s when uh, the legendary Johnny Longden became the world's winningest rider, passing Sir Gordon Richards. And if you stuck around for a little while longer in '70, you got to see... Maybe my favorite jockey of all time, Bill Shoemaker, who uh, went on to pass Longdon. Um uh, And again, I re- referred to a little bit about the Pacific Classic, 1991. It was the hometown horse, uh, John and Betty, uh, maybe his best pal, uh, who won the inaugural million-dollar Pacific Classic. So those are the main things I know about Del Mar. Let's go to the guy that knows it all, Mac McBride. Mac, how are we doing?
4: Doing great. And, John, I now realize... We want to hire you and bring you out here to Del Mar because you're good. (laughs) you uh, you got it all down (laughs)
5: terrific
4: you're you're right on with everything you just said and thank
3: you so much well i try to do my homework and i thank you always when i get my uh my immediate guide from delmar i love going through it Uh, i'm sure you and your staff put hours and hours in the off season putting this together because it's just chock full of information everything from the history of the track to the promotions calendar to all your track records uh I, i i couldn't have done that without it mac i can tell you that
4: well, uh you, you do your homework well. You probably were an ace student. Uh and uh anyway, we we are we do well here at Del Mar. We are very lucky to be where we are. Uh we are sitting the proverbial chip shot from the Blue Pacific. Uh we have the wonderful summer dates, we have uh, the Southern California horses and horsemen involved here. Uh but on top of all that we work very hard. To make sure that this good thing that we have stays good it's kind of like a brass bell if you keep shining it it'll stay bright <laughs> If you don't shine it it starts to get a little green and it doesn't look so cool right now we got it nice and shiny and doing bright and we keep working hard to keep
3: it that well, way. It, it well show, it shows it on the, shows on the product we see uh every day and we love it here because it, it keeps our betters around you know you're out there on the west coast and it's not kind of like hey live racing's over here at saratoga everybody looks up and goes hey we got delmar
4: Uh, well, uh, we're glad to send it, uh, and, you know, we, uh, we see our sister track back east, to Saratoga, wonderful place, uh, back there, uh, they are Saratoga, out here we think we are the Saratoga of the west, or maybe they're the Delmar of the east, I don't know, we'll, (laughs) we'll go either way there.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Now, you know, it's on my bucket list of things to do. Sad to say, I pretty much race the same time you do. So uh, I I haven't had the opportunity to say, hey, boss, I'm taking off for a week to go to Del Mar and visit Mac. Um, When I see the images of Del Mar, it's so pretty. But I always remember these images of horses somewhere near a beach. Does that still happen?
4: Unfortunately not. Uh, You know, When they opened here in 37, all the way through to about 1980, they took horses from the stable area here to the beach and into the water. Horses you might know are terrific swimmers, and a lot of trainers found great therapeutic value in putting horses in the ocean, the nice cold water on their legs. Uh, They were very, very big on it. On top of it, it broke up the daily routine for the horses. The horses just loved it. Horses you might know, too, love to roll. They love to roll in sand. Yes. Yeah. So you could take your horse down there, let him roll to his heart's content, take him out in the ocean and wash him off and bring him back home. And he usually had a very happy horse on the end. However, uh, it, it used to be this was a relatively quiet community. It is like a lot of places in the world that are very lovely and very desirable. It's grown up a whole lot. And in the process of growing up, uh, you get into situations where, there are more people than open spaces and now what used to be open and available and ready was good and then they had an incident here in the 80s in, in 1980 in fact where they had a huge storm uh you had a, a confluence of many different things The the mood was high and the the tide was up at its top and and a huge storm hit all at once and the actual fairgrounds that uh, Delmore on went under 3 feet of water and the tunnelway That went from the racetrack underneath the railroad tracks and highway and then right down to the beach was sealed with sand. And they sort of took that as the final straw, the omen that said, guys, that's the end. You gotta shut it down. So they did. And so since 1980, the tradition of horses in the surf is simply, uh, something from the past. It doesn't exist anymore.
3: Well, uh I, again it's the track still looks so beautiful, the imagery I get. And and now I'm gonna switch from, from kinda the, the the look of the track and I was, you know, reading off the, these names like, you know, Longden and Shoemaker and just the unbelievable jock colonies had in the past to to a horse that had to just the draw so many people that I mean not that Delmeyer doesn't draw people anyhow. I think you could hit people in the face with a frying pan when they came in and they'd come back the next day. But You, in recent years, have had the chance to be surrounded by Zenyatta. How electric was that?
4: Oh, Lord Almighty. Electric is the word. Uh, Just magic. Just absolute magic. You know, her owner, Jerry Moss, who who has been with his share of hits over the years. I mean, you know, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was the, the number one record distributor in the world there for a while. He knows about stars. And talking about this mayor, he said, "You know, she does what I've seen stars do elsewhere. She lifts everybody up. She makes everybody just better to be near her, be around her, be part of her." And she was that. She, you, when you went to the races and she was there, you you were not just at the races. You were at a magical event, and it, you just went. You, you went with anticipation. And with her style, with that come from the back, desperation, last gas style of hers, you just said, oh no, today's the date, she's not gonna, she did it. (laughs) And over and over and over again, she did it. And she had many, many times where she could have had excuses, and you would say, oh well, she got blocked, she did, and she never cashed in her excuses. She always went on and did it. She was just magical, absolutely magical. We were so blessed, and we were even blessed more here in California because this was her home, and this is where she raced most. I wish Jerry would have shared her more with the rest of the country, but it was the way it unfolded for them, the way they wanted to do it best, and she was magic. She was pure magic. I am so happy I got to see her and be part of her. It was just wonderful.
3: I, I certainly share your, your, your enthusiasm because I, I had that one week around Breeders' Cup uh, as, as it led up to the Classic, and there was just something. I mean, not only the, the prance and the dance, it was just nothing ruffled her feathers. And she had, I got the chance to be around Secretariat, uh, she had that, uh, that great stature that said, that's right, I'm the girl. Secretariat was the same way. I'm the man. And uh, what I loved about it is how she, comfortable she was around strangers, uh whether it be little kids, somebody in a wheelchair, somebody that might come up to her in a fashion that they shouldn't, and uh, nothing ruffled her feathers. She was just so cool, and I must say my hats off to the Mosses keeping her in training as long as they did and, and really letting the public embrace her.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. She she was I mean, it was special. Yeah, That's all you can say. She was absolutely special. And it was almost like she understood. Uh, she, You know, we're, we're not sure how much those animals can comprehend, but, boy, I think she was a very smart horse. I think she understood a lot more than a lot of other horses, and she just seemed to take it all in. And, and as as ferocious a competitor as she was on the racetrack, she was a great big lap dog off the racetrack. Exactly. <laughs> you you, you could, turn it
3: on and people, turn it off.
4: People hung on her neck, literally hung on her neck. Uh, little kids would grab her and stuff, and she wouldn't turn a hair. She was she, she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. And uh, I tell you, she she's in foal now, and uh, uh, they they are going to have, she's going to foal next spring and uh the Mosses will have that foal. You, there's one thing I can tell you for sure. That foal will not be for sale. And subsequent foals, jazz, will not be for sale. Uh, it would be like selling your grandchild. Uh, the Mosses mo- <laughs> will not sell those foals. The Mosses will bring those foals home, and the Mosses will race those foals. You it's, can be sure of that.
3: It's uh, great for the game. I'll tell you what else is great for the game. Is, is your jockey colony. As you know, uh, back in about, uh, 2006 or so, we sent a guy out west there, uh, that started his career, went in here on a horse called John Bobby by the name of Rafael Bejarano. Just a real class act, a kid that worked right. real hard on, on his, uh, game and on his, uh, lear- learning the English language. And yep. obviously the people out there have embraced him. But I got, a, I've got about two minutes left update us, because this will give everybody really, outside of your fantastic racing this weekend, a reason to tune in on Del Mar, you have a fantastic jockey race going on right now.
4: We really do, and we have four riders right now who are just going hammer and tongs at it. Now, we've got Garrett Gomez, who might be the best rider in the world on any given day. Garrett is a phenomenal raceman, phenomenal. But we have three of the very best young riders, not just in America, in the world, all in their 20s absolute stars, every one of them. Rafael Bejarano can ride with any rider, anytime, any day. We have a kid named Joe Talamo. He's one of the last of the old school uh, match race Cajuns. And Joe is just a terrific guy and a terrific rider. He's our leading rider right now. And we have a kid named Joel Rosario from Santa Domingo. Unbelievably good rider. And these three guys are going out and out here. And Garrett Gomez is in the mix. He's riding this fanny off and doing great. It is really, really fun. Every time these guys get on horses here, and more often than not, all four of them are riding the race. Yes. They just, the competition is ferocious, and it is wonderful. It is good for the betters. It's good for the game.
3: Well, I'll tell you what What else has been wonderful, good for the betters, and good for the game. That's Mac McBride, who just does an outstanding job at, at, at promoting Del Mar, promoting thoroughbred racing. And I, I can't thank you enough for being on winningponies.com. I want you to stay tuned, though, because we're going to zero in on a couple of those great races that you're going to have this weekend.
4: Very good, John. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much for giving me a shout. And, hey, buddy, somehow or other you got to hit that big exacta and get yourself to Del Mar
3: next summer. Believe me, I want to do it more than you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Mac McBride from Del Mar. We're gonna take a little bit of break here and back with us then one of the sharpest guys in the sport of kings, Jay Privman, is gonna be with us on Winning Pony.
2: fantasy sports is where the action really is over
0: 40 million people play fantasy sports but rarely do they get to quiz the experts fantasy insights is the name and the game
2: now back to winning ponies with John Englehart
3: alright great to be back thanks for tuning in we definitely appreciate it and We've definitely, over the past few weeks, been able to get some of the top people in the sport of thoroughbred racing, and I'm about to talk to one right now, and it's one uh, Jay Privman. Uh, he's a, a multiple award-winning writer. Uh, you, you've, you've seen him on, on television as a correspondent. Uh, he's a radio show host. Uh, probably best of all, he's a real good guy. You know, I, I try to do my homework on my guests. I didn't have to do too much on Jay because I've gotten to know him over the years, and I'm familiar with his writing so much in the daily racing for him. But I, I just thought, well, I'll just go up and kind of Google him and put Jay's name in and see how many hits I got. Well, this tells you how active this guy's been in the sport. I got 1,245 hits for Jay Privman Thoroughbred Racing. So with that behind us, uh, the man himself uh, joins us on winningponies.com. Jay Privman, how are you? Good, John. How are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. Uh, We're having the most unbelievable meet here. We're up 46% on track. Uh, we're due for good weather for the final two weeks of the meet, so uh, we're going out with a bang here in Cincinnati.
5: That's great. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful little track there.
3: I I, I do like going there a lot. Well, thanks, and obviously the people of Cincinnati enjoy coming back. So it's uh, it's amazing uh, with a little bit of uh, change in management and some proper advertising and marketing, people start to recognize that this is a great game and a great place to be. Uh, obviously, you, you've noticed it over the years, but, uh, Jay, uh, I I want to kind of rewind a little bit. Uh, What was it that that attracted you to to the sport of racing to the point that you said this is something I'd want to make my career in?
5: Well, it was sort of a combination of things. I mean, I was a big sports fan as a kid, and um, you know, my dad liked sports a lot, and and, uh, uh, so I just was a a fan of sports. And but racing was sort of part of the uh, of, of the menu, and. We went on a family vacation to San Diego when I was 11, and we hit the uh, animal trifecta. We went to the zoo, SeaWorld, and Delmar Mar. Uh, <laughs> and I really liked Delmar, uh, and I just started really following it closely. And then, you know, when I was in... All through high school and 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 college, I was a fan of the sport, among other sports. But the big break I had was the first newspaper I worked at in L.A. When I was still going to college, actually, was ramping up their coverage. Uh, it was the L.A. Daily News, and they didn't really have anybody assigned to do racing. And I, you know, stepped to the front of the line and said, "I'll do it." <laughs> uh, and and they said, "Okay, we'll you know, we'll give you a chance." And it just sort of went from there.
3: So it was a good good way to have a professional excuse to get yourself to the racetrack. Exactly. Now, I, I know that uh, as much as you have a love of the game and that you're a fantastic writer, that you're not shy about analyzing the races and actually backing up your opinion with a bet at the window every now and then.
5: No, I, I, I like to play. I mean, it's, uh, I'm a spot player. I mean, I, I don't try and you know play all, uh, all 10 on the weekend, but I, I do like to pick my spots. And, and boy, I'll tell you, this weekend there's, there's just really so much great racing between Saratoga and Del Mar. It's really going to be a lot of fun.
3: Uh, absolutely, and we're going to get our teeth into that into a little bit. Uh, Jay, uh, in, in reading your writing, uh, obviously, uh, you're you're a boots on the ground reporter, and and I've been on the backstretch mostly when when I see you on Derby Week uh, that uh, you you enjoy getting out of there. You don't you don't report from your desk. You're out there, and I, and I think over the years I've got to guess that as much as you've been face to face with the people that you cover, that's got to give you a great edge as far as a comfort zone with the people you need to get an interview with.
5: Yeah, you know, I like to think that. I mean, I think it kind of works both ways. The more familiar a subject matter might be with you, and the more they trust you to get it right, the more like you likely you are to get a phone call returned quickly, or you know, to have somebody be forthright when you need to ask them something that might be a little difficult. So, you know, I've been doing this so long. Hopefully, most of those uh, your relationships pay off.
3: Um, now, you, you you do you do radio, you do television, you write. Is there a best part of your job?
5: I like it all. I mean, just the best part is being able to be at the track, but I, I think the, the thing that I enjoy most is being able to go to the big events and, and not kind of be a, 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 at the same circuit year-round. I mean, it's fun to go to all the Triple Crown stuff, to a couple of the Kentucky Derby preps. This summer I've been to Monmouth and Saratoga in addition to Delmar, which is near where I live. Uh, and then in the fall will be the Breeders' Cup, and
3: that's, that's a pretty fun year. Absolutely, and you talk about it being able to bring you to different places. Uh, last week, big full-page color picture on the front of the Daily Racing Forum, and there you were interviewing Ohioan Jerry Hollendorfer into the Hall of Fame. That had to be pretty special.
5: Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, Jerry had asked me to to introduce him. He wanted somebody who was familiar with his career, uh, and I was, you know, it was a great honor to be able to 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 do that for him. And I was glad he finally got in. It was uh, it was long overdue, and he was. Very well deserving and, you know, he's the fourth winningest trainer of all time and he's, as of today, he's two away from 6,000, so he might be knocking that off by the weekend.
3: Unbelievable. Well, Jay, listen. I, I I know I threw I threw a lot of uh, past performances at you over the last couple of days, and we've got some tough races. I, I think, especially the bookends that we're going to look here with with the Travers and the Pacific Classic, and a few good races in between. But let's get right off to a, a race that in my family, growing up on the East Coast, was kind of a holy race of obligation. Uh, the Engelharts would all meet at Saratoga uh, for the Travers Stakes, and. Uh, This one here, please help me try to separate what I consider the top four horses in here, and you'll probably come up with one I passed.
5: Well, tell me who you think the top four are, <laughs> so Well, i make sure we're on the same page here.
3: Well, I, I, I think Stay Thirsty was just so impressive, seems to have a running style that fits this race, we know can go a distance, just missed in the Belmont Stakes, and what I think is very important this time of year at Saratoga is it's a horse for course, so I think, you know, Stay Thirsty is right there, perhaps at the top, but then nipping at his heels, Coyle's last race was just a head turner. Uh, here's a horse that was always on or near the pace, gets shuffled back, and puts in a sensational drive to get up to win the grade one one haskell and then of course obviously uh, you can't throw out the, the belmont winner or the preakness winner belmont winner being ruler on ice and shackleford who, who took the preakness I mean, there's a those are the top four in my opinion
5: okay i just wanted to make sure you know there's ten in the race i didn't want to assume anything um I, I really like a horse in this race and i just wanted to see if he was in your top four and he is uh but i love ruler on ice uh i think he's a great gamble in this race and I'll tell you why I like him. Um, the, I was at the Haskell uh, a month ago, and the rail was absolutely dead that day at Monmouth, and he tried to come up the inside, and I think he kind of stalled on his run. It was his first race since the Belmont, so he p- probably needed to knock the cobwebs off a little bit. Uh, now he's stretching out from a mile and an eighth to a mile and a quarter, which certainly is not going to hinder him, being as he won the Belmont at a mile and a half. Uh, and I think he might get a little overlooked. You know, Stay Thirsty's coming off that win in the Jim Dandy, and you're right, he is the horse for course, and he's, he's going to be tough to beat there. Uh, a mile and a quarter might be stretching it a little bit for Shackelford. And I really do like Coyle. I think Coyle's an, a, a top horse. Uh, he's getting good. He, he's continuing to improve. I really liked him last time in the Haskell. But he kind of, even though he had all that trouble in the Haskell, it really kind of played to his advantage because the way the track was playing he ended up having to take back and make one wide run and that actually ended up being the place to be that day now he's certainly lightly raced and he's got a right to improve but considering the trips uh... and where they were on the racetrack i think ruler on ice has a very big chance to reverse the decision on coil and at five or six to one which was what like, i think ruler on ice is going to be i like him a lot And of all the stakes this weekend that is the one horse that i really want to play
3: well, his running line almost reminds me a little bit of Royal Delta coming into the Alabama last week, you know, in the case that it could be a horse, even though it was competing against the top horses in the race, finished third, and people might just move on to Coyle and Shackelford because their name's in front of her.
5: I'm hoping that's the case. I mean, I'm hoping that people focus in on the other two and figure that Ruler on Ice was just third best that day, but I think he had some excuses, and
3: I think he's got a chance to really bounce back with a big race on Saturday. Well, it's it just, it's going to be a fantastic race. I mean, all these horses really sitting on their toes. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's do one more Saratoga race before we move out to your neighborhood here, uh, and it would be the Foxwood Kings Bishop uh, Stake. I mean, I, I, I'm handicapping this race. I'm looking at these horses. Uh, these may be the fastest group of horses in training. I mean, when you look at the past performances, there's more bullets in here than Gaddafi's compound right now. <laughs>
5: Yeah, but hope, hopefully they're doing a little better than him. Um, <laughs> he's running sake, well. Uh, y- y- this race to me is 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 not appealing from a betting standpoint because I I can't bet on Uncle Mo, but I really can't bet against him because you know the old Uncle Mo can certainly win, but I'm not going to take a short price on him. And there's not really anybody else in the race I'm that wild about to play against him. I mean, Flashpoint might have been an appealing horse, but I think he's got his work cut out for him breaking from the rail. He'll run flat out is an extremely fast horse, but I think he could get caught up in a pace duel with Flashpoint. I just don't see how he survives that, and and still wins. You know, maybe you could gamble a little bit on Dominus, who I, I think was exposed as a one-turn horse last time in the Jim Dandy, and turning back to 7-8, I think, will, will help him. So he would be the horse that if I was going to play a little bit, I would maybe lean towards. Um, you know, the 9-5 the to five morning line on Uncle Mo, I think, is extremely generous. I don't think he'll be anywhere near that. He's, he's, a, he's a very much a media horse. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a short price on a horse who really hasn't run a good race, since his win in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, I mean, both his races earlier this year, even though he won at Gulfstream, that was a made-to-order was race, him, and he yeah. got beat in the woods. So, you know, but if he, but his his sprints are all excellent. He's never been beaten sprinting. So it, it's it's a it's not an appealing race for me from a betting standpoint. I'm obviously intrigued to see how Uncle Mo does in his comeback. But if I was going to gamble in the race, I would maybe bet just a few bucks for, for some action on Dominus and then just sit back. And if I win a little, I win a little. And if I lose, it's not going to cost me much.
3: Yeah, you know, I, obviously, it, it's Uncle Moe's race to lose. And obviously, uh, you know, I think I'm rooting for him just from a racing standpoint. You love to see a, a champion come back and, and show the form that he had the year before. Uh, the, the horse that kind of intrigues me just from kind of a pace scenario in here is Caleb's posse. Uh, I know this horse hasn't run against the, the best in the country. It's been dodging a couple. It, it's a derby winner, of course. It was the Ohio Derby, not the toughest field in there. Uh, but, uh, but when they turned this horse back to six-and-a-half furlongs in the grade two Amsterdam at Saratoga, uh, it showed the ability to, to sit off the pace. And at and one, uh, under a brisk hand ride uh, with Rajiv Mara in the saddle, uh, Donnie von Hemmel doesn't race much. Up at Saratoga, He's raced four horses and he's won two races. Uh, this is what I see as the only legitimate closer in the race. Again, his resume isn't the, isn't the strongest, though so he's been in graded company for his last, I believe, uh, seven races. Uh, he's kind of the one I'm looking at for, for the upset, if somebody can upset Uncle Mo. Fair enough. Well, again, this is a race that uh, we'll be we'll be looking for a price. Uh, what we're going to do right now, Jay, if it's okay with you, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to start tackling three very, very tough races at Del Mar. But this is your backyard, and I know you stick to your knitting. I'm going to count on you to come up with a couple winners. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs>
4: I ain't saying she a gold nigga She ain't messing with no broke niggas I Get down, girl, go ahead, get down Get down, girl, go ahead, get down
2: <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports Voice America Sports And they're off What? Can't make it to the track?
1: on the Voice America Sports
0: Network. Here,
4: here, 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 here. The opening kickoff
0: is a beauty. There's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the, got
1: it for 2.8
0: seconds left, to
1: left. I don't care where they
0: put him. This one is
2: out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, cover, everything. we cover everything.
0: Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
3: Uh, we're we're taking the game to his backyard right now. Uh, back to Delmar, Jay. Real quickly, what's what's a day in the life of Jay Privman this time of year?
5: It really depends. I mean, uh, usually I'm at the at the track in the morning and then stick around for the races. But I'm actually working on a book project, so I didn't even go to the to the track today. We're uh, Daily Racing Forum is updating that book, Champions. So uh, I'm I'm working on that. So, oh. but usually. Like tomorrow, for instance, I'll be at the track in the morning interviewing trainers who have horses in the Pacific Classic, and then I'll be riding the advance on the race for the Sunday edition and then uh, sticking around for the races that begin at 4 o'clock local time
3: tomorrow. Champions, one of my favorite books. What a go-to book for information. It's fantastic. Hey, I'll have to call you for a separate interview just on that if you don't mind. Not at all. Uh, all right. Well, listen. Let's start. Well, let's let's start out a little bit early here. Uh, we're going to go a mile on the turf in the Grade Two. Del Mar Handicap, 200,000 up for grabs. Uh, this race looks kind of wide open, and then you got that upstart three-year-old Mr. Commons uh, getting a weight break and trying to take on these older horses. Okay, so
5: we're doing the, the Del Mar Mile on Saturday, not the Del Mar Handicap on Sunday. I just want to be sure what we're talking about here. Oh, I'm sorry, no, the, about the Del
3: Mar Mile Handicap.
5: Okay, the Del, yeah, because there is a race called the Del Mar Handicap, and that's on Sunday. I
3: just I'm sorry, to... no, this, this would be the, the, the eighth the, race, the Del Mar Mile Handicap. On Saturday? Yeah.
5: Just... Being sure we're talking about the same race.
3: Well, if Mr. Commons is in it. And okay, I well, this. <laughs> there's
5: a lot of racing this weekend, John. So. I know,
3: I know. And that's why I told Mac. I said, Mac, I can't do them all. i got to break it down to three.
5: All right. Um, yeah, I mean, Mr. Commons, after he won the La Jolla, or excuse me, the uh, Oceanside on uh, opening day, Mike Smith was comparing him to Lure, which is a two-time Breeders' Cup uh, mile winner. So that's pretty high uh, praise indeed. And, uh, you know, he gets a favorable weight break because he's a three-year-old, and I, I think he's the one to beat in the race. Uh, Caracortado, to me, is just not quite as sharp as he was early in his career. I, I thought he would, should have at least been second last time in the Eddie Reed. Uh, maybe a cut back to a mile will help him. And Champ Pegasus, I think he's going to run well because he's been training well, but the distance might be a little short for him. So I, I really think uh, Mr. Commons is the horse to beat.
3: Uh, you know, and the other thing is, uh, Burns came back, I forget the, the name of the race, but it was a week or two ago, uh, great stakes race out there, and, uh, got up in an impressive fashion, and uh, Mr. Commons, uh, took, beat Burns last time out.
5: Right, yeah, Burns won the La Jolla, which is the, the second of the three races that are usually for three year olds. I mean, usually you'd have seen Mr. Commons come back in the Del Mar Derby, but they want to keep him at a mile, and I think another one of the reasons is that, you know, with Courageous Cat not coming out here, there was some talk a couple weeks ago that maybe Courageous Cat was going to come from the east for Bill Mott. And, uh, and so I think with him not coming out here, they thought this might be a, a, a better spot, especially if they're looking at a race like the Breeders' Cup Mile on turf a couple months from now. This is maybe a smarter way to get him there than, than stretching out to a mile and an eighth in the Del Mar Derby.
3: Yeah, and getting a few pounds from your, uh, your older horses can't hurt either uh, going a mile. Exactly. Well, Mr. Commons, who was nominated the Triple Crown, we'll see if he can take on the older horses. in this is the Del Mar Mile Handicap, grade two, one mile on the turf. Then we're going to move forward here to the Pat O'Brien. I, I guess it was named after a friend of Bing Crosby's. Uh, the, a Grade one, quarter million dollars up for grabs, uh, seven furlongs. Another interesting cast of characters. Perhaps the most interesting one is the Factor.
5: Yeah, the Factor, who was a very highly regarded three-year-old earlier this year, got injured in the Arkansas Derby and has been off since, but his sprint form is terrific, and I think he's going to be very salty in this race, but I'm of the opinion that on his day, Smiling Tiger is the best sprinter in the country, and the problem that he usually has is he just sometimes doesn't break well, and when he's got inside posts, it can really compromise him, but he's drawn very favorably in the Pat O'Brien. It's a seven-furlong race, which is right up his alley, and I just think uh, with, with the recency factor that he has, that he's going to beat the factor. Uh, so to me, it's a two-horse race between those two, but I like Smiling Tiger to beat the factor in the Pat O'Brien.
3: Uh, what can you tell us uh, about Crown of Thorns, a horse that ran a bang-up second in this race, uh, but, but has been off since the Stephen Foster at Churchill? Any rumblings on the backstretch that Crown of Thorns is uh, doing well for Mandela? I talked to Dick Mandela. He's happy with the horse. He said that uh,
5: what happened was he, he had a minor uh, injury coming out of the race at, at Churchill. Uh, this is a horse that's just had problems throughout his career. You can see he's just had lengthy gaps. Uh, it's really hard to hold him together for any stretch of time. Uh, and so they've really had to kind of nurse him along. I mean, here he is six years old, and he's just had a, a handful of starts. Um, but I think 7-8 is a good distance for him. You're right, he's run well uh, here before. But I just think the other two horses are just better than him.
3: Well, I, I agree with you on Smiling Tiger. I mean, it's, it's, it's a four-year-old against, going against the factor who's, who's a three-year-old. Uh, absolutely loves the distance. Uh, has won uh, 425,000 of his 1.1 million, and it's coming off uh, two 100-plus buyer figures. Uh, the last one at seven furlongs, a 112. That's got to be closest to one of the fastest buyers of the season.
5: Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, I think he's the best sprinter in the country when when he gets his conditions, which is drawn outside, and he breaks well. And so I, I just think he's the one
3: to beat in the paddock, Brian. Great logic, and that's why we brought you on here, Jay. Well, let, let, let's move on. We're going to go to the Classic Distance. It's the TVG Pacific Classic, a mile and a quarter, a million dollars up for grabs. Brings together a very interesting group of horses. I'll tell you what, Trey Barachos, a, he's got to be a pretty good storyline for you. I mean, here's the horse that was sold privately uh, to an ex-Syracuse University basketball player. First time out wins the San Diego Handicap.
5: Yeah, he's and then one of the things that they did with him is they changed his running style. They used to try and gun this horse to the lead uh when he was trained uh by Bo Greeley and uh Marty Jones has experimented with him and has taken him back and allowed him to make one run and I think the improvement in his form is dramatic. I mean his his two races uh under Marty Jones' care both been excellent. His sprint prep coming into the San Diego was a was a good race. He didn't win but he but he fired. He ran a good race. And then he won the San Diego. So he obviously Likes the track, uh, and and I just think he's got a better chance with the style that he has now. When they used to try and gun him to the lead, he was really at the at the mercy of all other horses in the race. Now he can sit back and blast home, and I, I think he's got a very good chance to win the race.
3: Yeah, I think you will probably get some darn good odds on him too. And you got Rafael Bayrano up.
5: Yes, and never you can never go wrong with him.
3: Let's face it, the headline horses here are coming out of a great race. Uh, the Hollywood Gold Cup was just a sensational race. Uh, you had Game On Dude playing Catch Me If You Can, and you had Twirling Candy almost catching him. Of course, it was the last chance we got to see first Dude uh, race. Uh, how, how do you uh, how do you assess these two horses?
5: I mean, of the two, I like Game On Dude actually a little bit better, even though I think Twirling Candy is going to be a shorter price. I just think the farther they run, the better for Game On Dude. He just seems to get stronger and stronger the farther he goes, and a mile and a quarter on Polytrack is very demanding, and I think. In in that regard, Game on Dude's got a little bit of an edge over Twirling Candy, who is a brilliant horse. uh, But I I think on Polytrack, his brilliance might be uh, muted a little bit. Uh, And I think that a mile and a quarter, even though he ran a a great race in the Hollywood Gold Cup, I mean, he just missed in that one. But I don't think a mile and a quarter is really his ideal distance. I think he can do it, but I think he's better from a mile, or maybe even seven-eighths, up to a mile and an eighth, and so for those reasons, I I prefer game on dude over twirling candy among the the two horses that are going to get the bulk of the action.
3: Well, I know he, he, you know, with that little bit of layoff, if you want to call that July 11th, uh, it looks like Baffert, how does he constantly keep these horses on their toes? I'm looking at horses from Saratoga to Delmar, and they all got bullets next to their name, Jay.
5: That's how he keeps them on their toes, He, 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 he trains them, he trains them hard, and they're fit, and... And they're ready to go. I mean, they, you, you look at the workout line for a horse like Game on Dude or The Factor. I mean, they're they are ready to go. I mean, even if they have uh, several weeks off between races.
3: Well, it, it, it's, it's going to make for a great race. It's going to make for a great a week, weekend of, of racing. Uh, Jay, I've only got you here for a little while. If you can, I'm, I want to just kind hit of you, hit you with a question or two, and I'm dying to see what your answer is. I want to know, who is the best horse you ever saw race?
5: Spectacular bid. The bid, just not even don't even have to think about that very long. <laughs> All right, he, he he was he was brilliant
3: in talking about races that gave you goosebumps. What was the best race you ever saw?
5: Zenyatta's Breeders' Cup Classic at Santa Anita. I mean, that was if if, if that doesn't get your get you going, nothing will in this game. I mean, for her to beat the boys, come from dead last in front of a crowd that adored her. Uh, I mean, that was as good as it gets.
3: Yeah, when we when we had the last, uh, we were giving the award out to Mike Smith for the turf publicist last year. We we watched that race. As a matter of fact, Mac McBride was standing over with John Sheriffs in his one spot, and uh, when he threw his hat into the crowd and everything, I mean th- that. That race was just, and I do. I get, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it, <laughs> talking about it myself. It was just unbelievable. Well, uh, Jay, listen. Uh, it, it, as busy as you are, I got to thank you so much for uh, taking your time out to be with me on, on WinningPonies.com. Uh, y- your insight into racing, uh, y- your ability to write about a sport that you obviously love, is it, just a, it's a treasure to the sport. And you're a fantastic ambassador to racing. Well, John, it's always a pleasure to be with you. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that that was Jay Privman wrapping things up here on WinningPonies.com. We want to make sure that you tune into the site and then take a look at some of the great handicapping tools they have, because this is a weekend that you are definitely going to dial up WinningPonies.com. Uh, we even passed over a couple of graded stakes races because we're, today we put ten pounds in a five pound bag. And I want to thank Matt McBride for painting the picture of beautiful Del Mar and telling us what's going on there. Stay tuned for that great riders matchup that you're going to see at Del Mar as they come to the close of their meeting. So, again, thanks to Mac, Thanks to Jay Privman. Once again, from high atop the grandstand, overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies.
2: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.